The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you're ready for a new year. Whether you like it or not, it's here. So just a heads up on that. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, watched a game last night or not, but uh, I just want to do a moment of silence. Man, alive. Okay, I also want to admit this or, or say this, that my wife last night goes, okay, now the Seahawks are out. I'm rooting for the Bears. So real quick, who are you rooting for now? Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, Cowboys, sure. Okay. What? Chargers. Okay, all right. What? Hogs? Chiefs. Sorry, my bad. Saints. Yeah, I, I think Saints is appropriate. It seems holy or something. Anyway, so... But, um, well, here's the thing. Um, I've always loved sports, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm a Mariners fan, as brutal and painful as that is. I am a Mariners fan. I always will be a Mariners fan. Um, and, what? Security? Can we get security? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, I'm a local fan. So I love the Mariners, and I remember the refuse to lose. I remember Edgar Martinez. I remember... On my birthday back in 1995, my family sat around the TV and watched the uh, Mariners beat the Yankees in the wild card to get into the playoffs, and that was, that was fun. Um, I remember, of course, Seahawks, a lot of history with the Seahawks, but anybody beast quake? You remember that was back in 2010 now? That was a long time ago when Matt Hasselbeck was our quarterback, and so a uh, long time back. Super Bowl 48, of course, I remember, and Super Bowl 49, and um, how about Gary Payton and Sean Kemp? Come on, somebody. How many of you guys want some Sonics back in our town here? Yeah, that's right. I do too. I hear you. I'm gonna, let's pray for that. Lord, we pray for... I'm just kidding. Anyway. But um, so I'm just going to admit to you, because I do love sports, I'm going to admit to you something that it's going to feel a little embarrassing to say, and my hope is that some of you are in the same boat I'm in. But if not, here I am, and it is what it is. Ever since I got to like 22 years of age, I remember watching people in professional sports and going, man, I wonder like if I tried hard enough, if I could be that good, you know, and, like, and then you get to like 28 and you're like, man, these guys are really good. You know, I bet if I had tried hard enough, I could have made it to, you know, whatever, Mariners or whatever, you know, you think that kind of stuff. Anybody else ever? Anyone? About seven of us. Okay, great. We'll meet afterwards and pray for each other. Anyway. So, but here's what happens, okay? As time goes on, you start thinking age-wise, like, hey, there's still professional sports players that are 35. You know, okay, we're good. And then you're like, 38, yeah, there's still a few around. That's awesome. I'm still kind of in that window. And then you get to my age, and by the way, this is in my notes, and I think to myself, I could still be a kicker, you know? Like, and I was thinking, like, like how ironic. I'm 43 now. I know Janikowski's only 40, but it's like, dude, of all the days to put that in my notes, you know, last night was painful, But um, anyway, the whole idea for me, and I think for for pretty much all of us, is this. It's a lot funner to be in the game. I don't know what sports you've played. I played sports when I was a kid and stuff, and I wasn't amazing, but I played. And and I remember it's a lot funner to get called into the game. Like when the coach says, hey, number 12, you're in. Your heart races, and you grab your glove or whatever sport you You get in there, and you get to play, and it's a lot funner that way. And here's what I know. Many of us in this room would say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe in Jesus. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. And, and yet sometimes in our lives, there's a certain hangup that happens. And my fear is it looks like this. We consider as we gather in an environment like this, oh yeah, that reading plan thing, I should probably think about that. 
Or, or we consider, boy, I heard about life groups and they're starting up next week. Boy, maybe I should think about that. Or you hear about giving and we have the host team come forward at the end of service and, boy, I should, ah, maybe I should do that, you know, sometime or whatever. Or, you know, over and over, there's different ways we think about getting in the game, find your team serving, but we don't actually take steps. And I want to challenge all of us as we begin a new year, and this isn't about guilting us into something, it's about realizing that God is calling us into the game, that we're not called to sit on the sidelines and simply cheer others on that are in the game. This is for all of us, every single one of us in this room that would consider ourselves followers of Christ, this applies to us. And so I want to share this tension because I really do believe that God has called every one of our numbers. And I'm going to start us in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 11. So if you got a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, turn off the playoff game, go on the Bible app. And anyway, um, but, uh, but Ephesians 4, yeah, it'll be on the screen too, but I think it's good for you to, to look it up yourself. It says this, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Bless you. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God, today we stop and pray. And our prayer, my prayer is that we surrender this conversation to you, helping us realize, helping us formulate the fact that we are part of this conversation. I pray that we wouldn't walk out of here going, that's nice or that's good, but we would walk out of here realizing there's a challenge for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 11, it says, so Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some have called this the fivefold ministry of the church, which I would, I would argue that there's a lot more than that going on. I think it's one type of leadership system within the church, but what we need to understand is simply this. When you look at leadership biblically, leadership biblically is not you and I climbing a ladder of hierarchy and getting to a top where everybody sort of is subservient to us. You go, well, you're the pastor, so aren't you kind of at the top or whatever, but instead Jesus does this. He takes this idea of a triangle or or a pyramid and really inverts it like this, that if we want to be in leadership, Jesus says that we've got to be the servant of all. So any form of leadership, whether we're teaching in a Grove Kids environment or we're leading a host team or helping with our student ministry or we're on stage, part of a worship team or whatever, we are servants. And so the whole idea of leadership, the Bible talks about God puts in place, but it's not this idea that somehow I'm better than you and I've climbed a ladder higher than you have, but in fact, I've climbed down, my hope would be, and that the goal is that we're being servants together in this thing called kingdom work. There's overseers, proclaimers, good news sharers, shepherds, 
and imparters. There's other lists, and I'm going to read some here in just a moment. Verse 12 gives us the reason, though. Why is there some form of leadership structure within church world? And Paul gives us the exact reason. It says this, to equip his people for works of service. Now, his people, obviously, if you say that you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, you've committed your life to Jesus, he's talking about you right here to equip his people for works of service. And then he gives even more so the reason, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul says, obviously, leadership is needed, but the idea is that the body can become what God designed. We're all part of the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey, and I'm going to read a ton of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just so that we can kind of get a picture of what Paul is talking about. Paul says what I've just read in the letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, we're going to look at this letter that's, that's more extensive uh, to the church at Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, and I'm reading the message version. It's going to be on the screen, but check this out. Listen, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. Everybody say that. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. There it is again. But God himself is behind it all. You go, what is Paul getting at here? And in context, what Paul is saying is that within the church, within the body, there are various gifts, but they all come from the same one God. Now, the reason he says that is because within church world, and especially in the church in Corinth, there was backbiting and competition, and they're better because they have this gift, and they're lesser because they have that gift. And Paul is going to know, it doesn't work that way. God gave each of these gifts, and God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is not a God of they're better than them, and they're lesser than them, and there's all this mess. So he's saying, God designed this whole picture. Goes on to say this, but God himself is behind it all. I love this one here. Each person, listen carefully, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Okay, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. And he goes on to say this, all kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts. Uh, sorry, I'm a little warm up here. Uh, proclamation, thanks, Jen. Distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues. So he, here's another list of gifts within the church. But he says this, all these gifts have a common origin because he's speaking to this disorder in the church. But all are handed out by one, uh, one by one by the one spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Now he's going to relate it to the idea of our body. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, organs, limbs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, and I love this picture, listen, 
we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Okay, so he's taking us from our own lives and sin, our own world, to when you surrender to Christ, you came into the whole body. You came into the family of God. I love this too. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Okay, if you've taken that step and been water baptized, we celebrate with you. By the way, it's coming up again February 10th. And if you need to take that step, go online and, and, and you can register. You can fill it out on the connect card today and let us know you want to get baptized. And we want you to take that step. Baptism is that outward declaration of the inward transformation that Christ has done. Okay, back to the text here. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. When you surrender your life to Christ and you invite Jesus into your world, Jesus saves us from our sin and that's amazing and awesome and we get a fresh start. But the Bible also says that his spirit is at live in us in a whole new way. And this is the spirit that he's talking about. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. The body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. And I love how he puts it in first person. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed every part of the body right where he wanted it to be. But I also, this is verse 19, want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you're a part of. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. And all of a sudden I'm thinking like Mike Wazowski, Monsters, Inc., like one big eyeball. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Back to first person. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. I love the wording. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. And my favorite sentence, if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion over full-bodied hair? <laughs> and some of us in here are like, yes, I guess so. The way God designed our bodies, I know I'm reading a lot. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as the church. Every part dependent upon every other part. 
The parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. I'm going to stop there. Paul, again, he extends the conversation that he has in Ephesians briefly with this whole picture of the idea that every single one of us is a part of the body of Christ, not one person excluded. But I'm going to go back to Ephesians and I want to walk through this conversation because I'm going to get back into the why. Why are we all meant to be involved? And he says this, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul is appealing to your maturity and to my maturity. Paul is saying that wherever you're at on this journey, maybe you're new, and I've met new people here in the church, some just today. Others have been around since about Thanksgiving I talked to today. Others have been around since fall and summer. Some of us have been here for years, but the whole idea is that we're taking steps in maturity. We're taking steps in our ability to grow. We're being called off the bench to be a part of the body of Christ because Paul says when each of us takes our place in the body, what develops is a maturity together. It doesn't mean we're all in the same place. It doesn't mean we all know the same amount of stuff. It doesn't mean we've all studied the same thing, but it means that on this journey together, we're all moving towards becoming more like Christ. We haven't arrived yet, which by the way, I don't happen to believe that any of us arrives until eternity. God is always at work in us, amen? There's something called in in our world sanctification. It's a theological word meaning we're becoming more like Christ as time goes on. And it's that journey, that process that is you and I look back on when we committed our lives to Christ and, and just different things that have happened and steps that we've taken, maybe a little more faithful at reading scripture, maybe we took a step and got baptized or whatever it might be, we look back and realize we are walking along on this journey, but, P, but Paul is appealing to our maturity. And then he says this, then we will, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of, of people in their deceitful scheming. In Paul's day, just like in our day, there are individuals that would stand up and and claim to represent Scripture and claim to represent faith in Christ, but they're teaching things that are not in accord with what the Scriptures have to say. It goes back to why I say all the time, you personally need to be a reader of Scripture. If you think everything I say up here is true and go, well, if Nick says it, I believe it, and that's good enough, that's not good enough. Who's to say I'm not teaching lies? And that's not like, well, great, I'm out of here. (laughs) But it's this, and I've mentioned it before, Acts 17, verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they received Paul's message with eagerness. But then they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. And it's, it's that noble character that God is calling us to. That no longer being deceived by, by bad teaching. People in Paul's day coming along saying, oh yeah, this Jesus thing, that's legit, but you got to stick to the law too. You got to do both. And, and, and Paul's like, no, 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 that's not true. In fact, in Ephesians 2, he talks about grace. 
The power of grace. Verse 15, Ephesians 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, here he says it again. We will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul says everything that flows to the body of Christ flows from the head who is Christ. And by the way, there's no separating the head from the body. You can't do that. That's where people say all the time, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in in the Bible, but I don't really do the church thing. And let's all be honest, the church is a mess. You know why? Because the church is made up of you and me, and we're not perfect people. And and I can say all the time, I understand that people say, I don't do church because I was hurt. I don't do church because I was lied to. I don't do church because the pastor did this and got away with that. I don't do this because, and and we, people play that tune all the time, and I get it. And I hate it probably twice as much as you do. At the same time, that's not an excuse to go, I'm out. Because as I said, it doesn't work that way. You're not going to like this analogy, and I understand why, but I've said it this way before. It's like me saying to my wife, love your face, I don't like your body. It doesn't work that way. It's a whole package. If you're surrendering to Christ, he brings you into the body, and that's the picture Paul is painting for the church. It's for all of us. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, finally, as each part does its work. He's calling all Christ followers to let fear be broken and let excuses be set aside. And I really do believe on the first Sunday of a new year that we ought to consider what does it look like for you and I to make sure we're not stuck on the bench where the coach is saying, come on, get your glove, get the ball, warm up, go get, you're going to get in the game, it's time. And we're sitting here going, but I don't know what to do, I don't know how, I don't, and, and, and I believe, I got to remind all of us, it's not about you and I knowing everything, but about realizing that we're supposed to be part of a movement together that's literally called to transform a world. And while we may not transform a globe, we can at least see some transformation in the communities that you and I are a part of. The neighborhoods that you and I live in. The families that God has placed us in. But it requires you and I getting off of the bench. Coming from a place of of being stuck and, and standing up and moving forward and going, what can I do to be a part? See, as a church, we'll see great things accomplished this year. And we're gonna, like I said, baptisms are coming up. And we're going to dedicate all kinds of kids and people are going to surrender their lives to faith in Christ and and invite Jesus in and pray that prayer. And that's going to be a great step. And we're going to serve all kinds of individuals that are broken and going through a lot. And we're going to do missions work in the Philippines in November. We have a meeting today, by the way, at 1.30. There's all kinds of different ways that we're going to serve and invest in the communities that we're part of. iHeart. Every summer we have iHeart. Ways that we can serve and help people see Jesus by how we live. And it's fun to do that. But here's the thing. It means that we're all mobilized to make a difference. See, as a church, we talk about things like this all the time. It takes all of us for we to win. We've used phrases like this this kind of church, it's all hands on deck. We're all part of this together. 
Paul is literally saying, if we don't take the place that God has challenged you and I to take in the body of Christ, maturity won't happen the way it's supposed to. In one sense, you could say that one arm is is functioning and a lot longer and the other arm is shriveled. Or that some organs aren't developing and and you and I have probably prayed for different family members, different people in our our world that, that we pray, they're going to the doctor, something's not developing right. And Paul would say the same thing. We're all in this together because we're all supposed to take steps of maturity to grow appropriately. On dedication Sundays, I always remind us of this. It takes a village to raise a kid. It takes all of us. We say things like we give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. That when I say it, and for the last six months, I've said this word over and over, maturity. That if we're talking about maturity, this church is not about the longer I'm here, what's in it for me? No, no, no. The longer we're part of this, it's like, what can I do to give up the things I love to help others see who Christ is? That our heart grows bigger for people that don't know Christ yet, not smaller. That maturity means that we're not looking through the lens of me, me, me. But what about others? We say we'll lead the way with irrational generosity. But it requires all of us taking a step. It requires all of us considering, what does it look like for me to not be stuck on the bench in 2019? I'm all about you and I looking at our year, and and I don't call them resolutions, but I talk about goals. What kind of goals do we set? that moves us in the direction that we want to be. And we talk about what kind of health goals, what kind of fitness goals or eating goals, what kind of of, of, uh, reading goals or, or what kind of financial goals or whatever you might have. But please don't forget that we're talking today in particular about spiritual goals. What does it look like for me to become who God wants me to become? And it means that as, as part of the body, there's steps to be taken. I want to challenge some of you to really consider the reading plan. There's copies of it available at the hub, but I, I, we talk about on the smartphone on version. It's just an app you can download on your phone and subscribe to it with us. I love that in our life group, there, there's a bunch of us reading it together in a group on the app. And it's so fun to see, and there's some accountability. We're like, oh, they're reading it. They checked it out, but they didn't yet. No, man, I want to get on that. There's accountability, but there's also comments people make. Certain verses that stick out or, or the way God is, is speaking to certain individuals in our life group as they read through the scriptures. And it's so fun. I want to challenge you to read the scriptures. I've said before, four chapters a day, you can read the whole Bible in a year. And that's what we're doing. Some of you life groups, this is the primary driver for connection and discipleship within our church where you're talking through scriptures together, talking through Sunday messages together, asking each other questions, reading verses, praying and encouraging one another, making commitments. Hey, this week, guys, we talked about this. What do we want to do together? Life groups. And you hear about it and they're launching next week and in our lobby as you walk out to the left, there's a wall with all kinds of leaders and when groups are going to meet and couples and singles groups and all that stuff, but taking a step and getting connected in a group. And once again, some of you are on the bench going, that's not my thing. How many things are you going to say that about? We've talked about before giving 
Every week, we had, the host team's gonna come forward and collect the giving, the tithes and offerings. And some of you haven't even taken that step yet. And I wanna challenge you to do that. Because over and over, we're looking at what could we do? And there's times where it's like, well, we gotta, not, we gotta wait. We're not ready for that financially. And, and that's a bummer. But at the same time, the challenge for all of us is going, do I trust that God is my provider? What does it look like for me to carve out a sum of what I make and invest it in the kingdom, eternity? And I would challenge all of us, be part of that journey. And yeah, that's awkward as a pastor to have to say, oh, here we go. And I get it. At the same time, I don't want to avoid it. It's part of the spiritual dynamic of our lives. I mentioned find your team next week and getting involved in serving. There are so many ways. The, the podcast we put out there, trying to better equip and go, man, I'm going to commit to reading or, or you know, listening to the podcast or, or being involved in a group. There are different ways. But what would God do through you if you lived obediently to his call? You are the body of Christ. I had somebody on Sunday last week ask me, I noticed a sign above the double doors as I walk in says auditorium. How come it doesn't say sanctuary? And I, that's a great question. And, and I simply said this, in the world that we live in, too many people have gotten used to this idea. I go to church. I show up at a church or that's my church. And what it becomes is a place. What it becomes is a building. And I want to challenge all of us. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying this is a sanctuary, which basically defined means a safe place, a safe haven. Uh, and you could consider the spiritual dynamic of it, a place where you can meet with God. But here's the thing that Paul said, that you and I are the temple of God. That was a revolutionary idea that mobilized us from we go to church to the fact that you and I are the church. And wherever we go, the church goes with us. And so I said, you know what? In the world we live in, I want to change the name. And some people are not going to like it, but I want to do it because it helps us understand I don't go to the sanctuary, the meeting place with God. I meet with God wherever I'm at. I know churches that meet in old grocery stores. I know churches, I've been to them, that meet in bars where there's a shark in a fish tank going back and forth. And it's called the Shark Club, and they meet for church there. Hey, I don't care because God can be there too. Meet and worship and go out and be the church. What does it look like for you? What steps in 2019 would God ask you to take so that you're not sitting on the bench, so that your part of the body doesn't remain undeveloped? And again, this is all of us, because I love how Paul says it going back to 1 Corinthians 12. Each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. Simple question is this, what's your step? Father, today, I'm grateful to be able to gather like this and walk through scripture together and, and do communion together and remember the body and blood of Jesus. But Lord, it's not just tradition. It's, it's not just gathering. I, I believe absolutely that it's biblical to gather. But Lord, there's something about for all of us that when you think along the lines of sports, like, God, we want to be in the game. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to be benched. I want playtime. I want to get in there. And I pray for all of our hearts to realize, God, you are calling us into this thing. And, and honestly, it's not a game. It's kingdom. It's advancement of something that matters all the way into eternity. And I pray for all of us to listen to your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us about the steps you would challenge us to take. Maybe it's life groups. 
Maybe it's find your team. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's giving and taking that step to give. Maybe it's whatever it might be, God, that you would do something in every one of our hearts that we're not playing church in 2019. That we're not here just to show up and then seven days later show up and seven days later show up. But God, we can believe and pray and look at the transformation of the world around us through the lens of the Spirit of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you wanna keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.